Welcome everyone to another edition of CCK Live. Uh, my name is Michael Estrito. I'm an attorney here at the firm. And today we're going to be discussing hypertension and sleep apnea and how those two conditions are connected and interrelated. Um, with us today, we have attorneys Amy Odom and also Caitlin Degnan. Um, and so why don't we jump right in? Um, Amy, why don't we get started with you? Um, could you give us a little bit of information as to what is hypertension? Um, what does the medical community think hypertension is? What does VA think hypertension is? And can you describe that a little bit for us? Sure, Mike. So hypertension means high blood pressure. And blood pressure is the pressure of your blood pushing up against the walls of your arteries. It's measured using two numbers, systolic blood pressure and diastolic blood pressure. Systolic blood pressure is the pressure in your arteries when the heart beats. And diastolic blood pressure is the pressure in your arteries between heartbeats. Generally, a normal blood pressure level is less than 120 systolic and 80 diastolic. Um, the American Heart Association recognizes hypertension at systolic pressure of 130 high or higher and diastolic pressure of 80 or higher. But VA does not recognize hypertension as a disabling condition until um, systolic pressure is to 160 or higher and uh, or diastolic pressure is 90 or higher. Um, and it'll rate the disability based on systolic and diastolic pressure. Um, the big thing about hypertension is that it presents a greater risk for heart problems and stroke if it's left untreated. So that's a, a great point, Amy. So I think what I hear you saying is that a veteran may think or their, their treating private doctor may say they have high blood pressure, but in VA's eyes, that might not actually be the case in order for it to be service-connected and rated. Is that correct? Unless, unless your hypertension blood pressure is at least 90 um, diastolic or 160 systolic, VA will not recognize it as a current disability. Yeah, and that, that's, that's a great point. Um, I know I've seen veterans in, in my practice, I'm sure we all have, um, where they, you know, they have high blood pressure according to their doctor, and they can't understand why VA doesn't recognize that. Um, the reason really is because, you know, the regulations state that that's not the standard. It's a little bit different of a standard um, for VA to consider it a disabling condition. So, yeah, that's a critical difference and a good point. Now, the American Heart Association's uh, definition of 80 diastolic or higher um, that's relatively new in the past few years. So maybe in the near future, VA's regulations will catch up with medicine. But until that happens, you're kind of out of luck unless you have these particular blood pressure readings. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. So, Kaylin, turning to you, the second condition that we're talking about today uh, is, is sleep apnea. Um, so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about, you know, what is sleep apnea? Are there different types of sleep apnea? What are those different types? Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So sleep apnea is a potentially serious sleep disorder where a person's breathing is repeatedly interrupted during the course of their sleep. There's three main types of sleep apnea. The first and most common is obstructive sleep apnea, 
which occurs when the throat muscles intermittently relax and block your airway while you're asleep. The second is central sleep apnea, which occurs when your brain does not send the proper signals to the muscles that control that breathing. And the third type is complex or mixed sleep apnea, which basically means that you have symptoms of both obstructive sleep apnea and central sleep apnea. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to note that despite um, there being three different main types of sleep apnea, they all kind of have very similar signs and symptoms. And veterans really, um, because oftentimes they're, they're lay people, right? They're, they don't have medical knowledge. They're not expected necessarily to know which condition they have or which type they have um, and, and claim that specifically. Um, but, you know, all, all of the signs and symptoms are more or less the same and, and somewhat overlap. So some common symptoms include, uh, you know, loud snoring, gasping for air during sleep, you know, awakening with a dry mouth, having a morning headache, uh, insomnia that might result from sleep apnea, um, you know, difficult, con difficult concentration uh, or having difficulty concentrating, I should say. Um, these are all kind of symptoms and, and things that, you know, a veteran might experience um, that would relate to any one of those three types of sleep apnea, Caitlin, that you, uh, that you just talked about. Um, so, so, Amy, turning back to you, how is sleep apnea diagnosed? Well, generally, a veteran will seek treatment for the symptoms that you just mentioned, like the snoring. Usually somebody in the house is complaining about how loud the snoring is, um, or somebody's witnessing these uh, moments in the night where the veteran is gasping for air. Um, and so the veteran will seek treatment for these um, particular symptoms. The doctors will uh, will will uh, consider sleep apnea as a possible explanation for the symptoms and send the veteran for a sleep study, which is usually overnight. Um, and uh, uh, you know, doctors monitor the veteran's uh, sleep and oxygen levels during sleep. And based on that study, the doctor will diagnose uh, sleep apnea or something else. Um, but for VA purposes, it's really important that you actually have this sleep study done. Uh, uh, just a doctor saying, well, this veteran has these symptoms of snoring and choking and gasping and headaches. And so it sounds like sleep apnea isn't going to be sufficient for the VA. They're going to require that there has been an actually confirmatory sleep study, um, sleep study done. Yeah, that's a, a good point. Um, you know, I see that a lot of our veterans, they, they may obviously not know what happens during their sleep, but they might have a spouse or a family member or a friend even that would, you know, write a lay statement in support of their claim. But without the diagnosis, without a sleep study, um, it's going to be difficult in, in many cases for veterans to actually get the condition service connected. So um, that is something that's, that's a really critical piece here. Um, in terms of rating the condition, once service connection has been established for sleep apnea, you know, there are various ratings depending on the severity of the condition. They range from a 0% to a 30 to a 50, um, all the way up to a 100% rating, again, based on the severity of the condition, according to the applicable regulation. Um, Caitlin, turning, turning back to you again here, now that we've kind of talked about the two conditions, generally speaking, hypertension and sleep apnea, can you talk to us a little bit about the relationship between those conditions, um, you know, how they impact the other you know, are there any, um, you know, trends or medical evidence that shows that there's a relationship between hypertension and sleep apnea? 
Sure. So research by the American Heart Association and others has shown or has suggested at least that obstructive sleep apnea is highly relevant to patients with hypertension. That translates to an estimated of 50% of patients with hypertension also having obstructed sleep apnea. And that condition represents one of the most prevalent secondary contributors to hypertension. Another study has also found that people with untreated sleep apnea were 2.6 more times, excuse me, 2.6 times more likely to experience cardiovascular complications, which included hypertension. Researchers believe that when breathing is restricted, oxygen levels in the body decrease, and that causes an increase in blood flow. And this increased blood flow places additional pressure on the blood vessels' walls, ultimately causing higher than normal blood pressure levels. And overall, there appears to be a causal relationship between sleep apnea and the development of hypertension, or at least the research suggests that there is. Yeah, and that, um, that kind of leads into the next point here. If there is medical research that shows that you know, hypertension, um, or rather sleep apnea, can impact or, or cause maybe hypertension in some way, is there an ability for veterans to seek compensation, service connection for their hypertension based on uh, sleep apnea? And so here we're looking at you know, what's known as secondary service connection for hypertension based on sleep apnea. Um, both sleep apnea and hypertension may be granted service connection, you know, independently if a veteran can prove that the condition began in or was caused by something that happened during service. So, you know, advocates and, and VA typically calls that direct service connection. Um, you know, something happened in service that directly leads to uh, or causes, um, in layman's terms, uh, the condition, sleep apnea or hypertension. But there's another avenue available to veterans, and it, it speaks to that relationship that you were just discussing. Um, and so that is what's known as secondary service connection. Um, so secondary service connection is, is essentially if a veteran has a condition that's service-connected, and that service-connected condition causes um, or contributes to causing or aggravating another condition, then that secondary condition can be service-connected in its own right based on that uh, that primary or first condition that was service-connected. So for our purposes here, um, it is possible to get hypertension service-connected secondarily to a veteran's already service-connected sleep apnea. And so with secondary service connection, the medical nexus opinion um, that you know a private physician or you know an expert offers, or maybe even a VA examiner offers, it has to link the veteran's secondary disability, in this case the hypertension, to the veteran's already service-connected sleep apnea. So that really is a critical point here because of the relationship, Caitlin, that you discussed. And even if a veteran may not be able to prove that their hypertension um, on its own directly was related to something that occurred in service, there's another path here. There's another avenue for veterans to consider, for veterans advocates to consider. Um, so with, with that in mind, Amy, um, turning back to you, how does one prove that you know, hypertension is actually secondary to sleep apnea? How do we, how do we apply these concepts to um, you know, make it more concrete you know, in, in actually proving the claim? Well, you have to have a medical nexus opinion, like you mentioned, Mike. 
Um, it's not enough to just have a diagnosis of hypertension, even one that meets VA's criteria and uh, sleep apnea confirmed by a sleep study. You also have to have medical evidence linking the two conditions. And that, in most cases, is going to need to be in the form of a medical nexus opinion by a competent medical professional who can say that based on your history, your specific history, uh, the sleep apnea has caused or aggravated the hypertension. And so, Kayla, when we're thinking about, you know, practically how we submit this evidence or the types of evidence that we want to submit and what goes into that, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how a veteran would want to go about doing that, what they would want to keep in mind, the types of evidence that they'd want to submit? Yes. So as Amy said, you know, you need a, a competent medical nexus opinion. So one thing that you can do is that if your doctor, you know, does believe that there's a relationship between your sleep apnea and your hypertension, he or she could provide an opinion that states it is at least as likely as not that the hypertension is caused by the sleep apnea. You can also submit medical, uh, relevant medical records that might show you know, associations between the two conditions. You can submit medical articles that talk about the relationship between the two conditions. And you can also submit lay evidence. Now, veterans as lay persons, you know, can't render an opinion of themselves, but they can talk about their experiences with the two conditions that could inform that kind of opinion. Yeah, that, that that's that's an excellent point. Um, and, and, you know, another point that, I, that I've seen here uh, representing veterans is if a veteran has a, uh, a compensation and pension examination for their hypertension, or really any condition, but in this context, hypertension, the examiner may very well opine on service connection on a direct basis or maybe even a presumptive basis. But oftentimes what I see is they don't consider secondary service connection as a theory. And so they're not offering an opinion on that. And so veterans, if, the, if that is in fact the case in a particular veteran's case, they should push back on that. Um, they should make sure that a, you know, a VA examiner is considering that theory and any evidence related to that theory is considered. Um, and, and, you know, the failure to do so uh, should be something that maybe a veteran looks to appeal or asks for a new examination to consider that evidence and, and those theories of service connection. Right, Mike. I think the important takeaway here is that in most cases, you're going to have to have that medical opinion, either by a VA examiner or your own doctor saying that there's a link. But this other evidence, like the medical records and the medical articles, can provide a good way to prove to the VA that you should get that opinion and um, might provide, if, if you get a bad opinion from a VA examiner, or I should say a negative opinion, uh, the medical articles and the medical records might contradict the examiner's um, rationale for the unfavorable opinion and provide a basis for appeal. Yeah. Well, I think that actually does it for this edition of CCK Live. Um, thank you for joining us, um, as always. And for more information on the topics mentioned in this video, please visit our blog um, or check out our other videos on YouTube. Uh, also, please don't forget to follow us on social media. Um, but thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.